Welcome, everyone, to the State of the Republic podcast. Uh, my name is Luis, and today we are actually going to be talking about a couple of different bits and pieces of Republic news as of last week and a couple of weeks before then. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, Ron Burkle and Ben Gumpert stepping down uh, their positions uh, with the Republic. Also going to be talking about the announcements of the new USL division play as well as some of the rivals that Republic will be seeing in that division. Also, we are going to be looking at our 2021 roster as we pretty much have most of the players that will be playing next season already finalized. And finally, we're going to be uh, talking about the camps and clinics that the Republic has announced. So let's get started. Well, joining me today for this episode, I'm going to first go to you, Sharon, podcast mom. How's it going? It's been a while, I think, since we've recorded a podcast together. So welcome back. Well, thank you, Luis. It's good to be on here with both Jared and, and you. Everything is good. Just moving forward. Can't wait for start of the season or preseason even. Awesome. Yeah. No, I, I can't wait either. I mean, we're in March already. Crazy, huh? It's like it's preseason is, is already around the corner um, and let's go over uh, to Arizona to our guest uh, co-host tonight which at this point Jared I think I should just call you our co-host because you've been on here quite often and on our live shows as well um, but welcome it's great to be back again and it was good to be on for the Jeopardy the inaugural but uh, ever so close is the preseason, you know, the uh, the appetizer. Just can't wait for that domain course of the season. Can't we all wait, right? And and especially with uh, vaccines really now and, and Johnson & Johnson coming out with their vaccine and they're getting distributed. I think it, it makes us all more optimistic that we're going to be able to watch our Republic for most of the season, which uh, is, is you know still up in the air. But hopefully that is the case because we... We need to watch some live soccer already. <laughs> uh, State Health Department is actually discussing uh, live uh, in-person sports, and it could happen as soon as, oh my goodness, it's fast. So um, there, that's being discussed right now with the governor. So looking forward to butts in the seats. Cool. Hey, that's we want a different 2021. And I think this season is going to be really exciting with the new format that we'll be talking about here um, shortly as well. But first, uh, I wanted just to make the the brief uh, commentary. I know this is already almost we could almost call it like old news. We, we, you know, we've we've been hearing about it already for a little over a week since it was announced. Um, but for any of you who might have not heard it, I think everyone probably heard it. But here we go. Um, Ron Burkle actually stepped down as our lead MLS investor. And with that being said, we're now on the lookout for that new investor, which hopefully we find that investor somewhere around uh, California. Uh, I know Sharon and I were talking and, you know, it is a little difficult in the Sacramento area to find that investor. You know, we, we do realize there's not that many people that, that can, you know, step up and be their sole investors. but I have confidence that someone in California will actually step up the plate and and take over as our new uh, MLS investor. And again, we have all the infrastructure in place. 
I, I read a couple of um, quotes that our uh, Sacramento mayor mentioned, and you know, it, it looks like whoever steps in, they have everything already set for them. They just put the money, and all the plans are already set. But what what are your guys' thoughts on on this? Um, if you guys have any thoughts on this, well, I've read some articles. Uh... Just a couple of days after uh, hearing about Burkle stepping down, that already uh, the uh, Republic FC were entertaining calls from other investors. And like you stated, uh, given that uh, Sacramento isn't exactly uh, drowning in uh, big money, uh, whatever investor or investors decide to step in are ultimately going to come from the outside, whether it be uh, San Francisco Bay Area, uh, Silicon Valley, L.A., uh, or elsewhere. I mean, just like it's been stated, the last part is the money. Everything else has been set up, the stadium plans, the infrastructure, the surrounding properties. Right now, it's just a matter of getting a stable investor. Unfortunately, that's something that uh, we have have not had. Uh, we were under the illusion we had one, but with Ron Burkle uh, pulling out of Sacramento a second time, uh, if you include the Kings, uh, this doesn't paint a good picture, but hopefully... We have another whale or white knight, whatever term you want to use, to step in and financially get this done deal. So I'm just hoping that we can court some uh, nice billionaire from Silicon Valley, whether it's a a man or a woman. I mean, there's plenty of women out there with a a loaded wallet. And, you know, it's like, why aren't we tapping into some of Megan Rapinoe's friends and sponsors and things like that? You know, she's from the area. She's from Northern California. And, you know, we're going to be having a um, WSL team. And so why not just, uh, you know, lay the groundwork to also bring in women investors? There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we got money, not me, but, you know, if, if, I, <laughs> if I won the lottery tomorrow, boom, this thing would be so done. <laughs> Anyhow, and you know we have the right people at the top. You know, unfortunately, we did you know have to uh, say farewell to Ben, but he's going to be an advisor, which is great. And Todd Donovan knows his way around the block. I mean, there was quite a bit of discussion on some recent uh, podcasts with the uh, Sac Republic and some messaging that has come out from Sac Republic. And just to segue into that conversation, I think we have people that do know their way around and, and can help. I know there's some naysayers that are saying, you know, the Deltas, the San Francisco Deltas, it was a one and done season for them, but they won the season. And, you know, it's, it's, it'll be, it'll be interesting because Todd does have some really, really deep connections throughout the entire major league soccer arena. But that being said, we're focusing right now on a season with our favorite team, right? Yeah. I mean, that that should be the main focus of us right now, not really towards the future, right? Because we still want to win USL. And if we're still in USL, that, that is definitely our main objective uh, season by season. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really think that it's one of those things where we are going to find the right investor. Like I said before, I think we everything is in place. Uh, whoever steps in, they won't have to struggle as much as previously people had to struggle, right? Because there was no infrastructure, there was no stadium plan, there was no uh, cooperation from the city. Not that there wasn't any cooperation in general, but like they didn't actually have a boat in place. And now all that is right there just for that investor to come in and just uh, uh, put the money to develop all that. And, you know, I I think they hopefully will maybe follow like a model similar to LAFC, right? Where we saw 
not just one, but a group of investors pull in money together and make it happen. And at least at that point, if someone drops and decides not to continue, well, you already have a group that is already there anyway, and and it all works out great. But all the best for that. But as you said, Sharon, we do have a season that we, we need to look at, focus at with that. And people still need to go to the games. Don't let that like push you from not going to a game. It, it just can't. Because we said it before, even if this team had not gone to MLS, it's always had support. Let's not go back to a couple of years ago when where, um, MLS was a, a tease and people were starting to like not want to go because of that. Like, no, let's brush that aside. We, we got a, a new season ahead of us and we might be able to attend games. And I really hope that people take all of last year and realize that you know, we got live sports and if we get that opportunity to attend games, you know how it was not attending games. So now you should actually attend a game uh, regardless of what, what you're hearing in the news. So, so piggybacking on that, you know, I think that um, I'm, I'm hoping, and it sounds as though the Tower Bridge Battalion has really started to, to step up. I mean, we need advocates to get people, you know, the, yeah, all the season ticket holders will all be there. We just need to make sure that there are even more people, you know, interested in attending. So we all need to become advocates and, you know, fall in lover people with the, you know, the squad all over again. And so I think it's going to be really good later on, you know, in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking a little bit about the um, division breakout for the Pacific division. And then we'll talk a little bit about the players and I think we need to start really getting enthusiastic about all of that, all of that, um, you know, leadership is leadership. We don't need to really, we're going to miss Ben Gumpert. Glad he's an advisor. We're going to welcome Todd Donovan wearing two hats. I don't know if he's going to also still try to have, you know, a little bit of general manager duty as long as well as president of the club, but it makes sense. You know, if, if he can do both jobs, let him because the, the team is full. Um, you know, it's like, we've got all the players, we're ready to go. And, you know, let's all advocate for this, this upcoming season. Let's get, let's get jamming. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, granted we have to wait a little bit longer, but then again, didn't we already, didn't we already do that in 2020 right now? The year looks to be better prospects. Uh, hopefully get, getting people into the seats again, just like was mentioned earlier. I mean, and we still have leadership that's still been with, with the club through thick and thin. It's it's really going to be bad to, to no longer have been with us as a president, but like yeah, I was stated earlier, he's still staying on. This is Todd's time to shine. We have nothing but blue skies ahead of us. But, but right now it is March. May is not that far away or possibly early April, depending on when the full schedules released some of the clubs have already released their preseason schedules in fact uh phoenix rising fc uh chandler uh, Merrick copa tucson have already released their preseason matches let's see what uh we're playing for the preseason jared you said it i can't believe you did <laughs> you called them the tri the tri city <laughs> phoenix rising you know, it's interesting. We just don't want to make fun of them because of the freaking handball. But I mean, that was perfect. Say that again, Chandler Maricopa. What? Yeah. Phoenix, it's uh, 
Phoenix Rising FC of Chandler, Maricopa, Tucson. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> they should might as well uh, substitute the Phoenix at that point, right? Just change it to wherever they're at presently. <laughs> they could always go back to they could always go back to Arizona United SC. That was their initial uh, name after uh, the Phoenix Wolves uh, FC license was uh, revoked back in 2014. Oh, yeah, that's true. They were Arizona United, yeah. I, I mean, at that point, if that's what they're going to be doing, then it makes sense just to stick with Arizona United. But That's funny. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of like the shtick now. LAFC is in the heart of L.A., right? LA Galaxy, you know, they're in Carson. And so, you know, they kind of get ribbed a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's like, no, it's not the LA Galaxy. It's the Carson Galaxy, you know. So, somewhere in the LA Galaxy. Not quite in LA, but somewhere out there in the galaxy. <laughs> so it's funny how we have a little bit of those sorts of things going, you know, going on. But initially, remember Seattle Sounders 2, um, was it was Seattle Sanders too. Now they finally have named themselves Tacoma. You know, it's like, okay, so they're honoring the fact that they're nowhere near Seattle right now. You know, <laughs> that, that that's an interesting little fact. I wonder how many other cities and, and teams, you know, should be renamed a little bit because of their geographic location is no longer anywhere near whatever. Yeah, I would imagine more Eastern Conference teams as far as that goes, but, you know, that's a whole, kettle, a whole different kettle of fish. Oh, yeah, yeah. Red Bulls is the other one, too. Like, NYCFC is actually in New York. And, yeah, it's, yeah, a, a lot of things there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think, in my opinion, I think it's it's good that Todd Donovan stepped in the role of uh, president because, you know, what, what better than to promote someone that's already in the organization? He already knows what's going on and, and whatnot. So I'm glad that... Uh, once this announcement happened, they didn't say we're going to go out and look for a new president. They just talked to Todd. I'm sure they had plenty of conversations there. And he actually stepped up to that role. And, and not only to that role, but to stay with his like, current role, which is, is really something else if he keeps both roles. I mean, talk about being a, a busy guy. So um, re- really great to, to see him step up there. But as we mentioned, you know, we want to talk about the Republic season and USL recently did announce how we are going to be grouped this season. Completely different to what it was in the previous year, which uh, a part of me is glad that they are going to change that because as much as it was great playing against Reno multiple times, I think I wanted to play against other California teams. It just didn't seem fair that we only got to play against some of them once or twice. And so um, we actually are announced uh, to be in what they call the Pacific Division. And we are sharing group with Los Dos, Las Vegas Lights, Oakland Roots, brand new team, Phoenix Rising, San Diego Loyal, and Tacoma Defiance. Um, I got to say, I mean, it, it. we are missing Reno. <laughs> uh, you, you look at this Pacific Division, you're like, uh, you, you, I don't know, but you kind of wish that you saw Reno there so you can have those games that we all really love to see. But, you know, we are still going to be able to get some great matchups against Phoenix Rising. I know we are all looking forward to that game. And and I'm really particularly also looking at Oakland Roots as a 
really interesting new rival for us and how those games will be like and the away trips to Oakland as well. Really excited for that. But with the Pacific Division announced, uh, they also announced uh, how uh, the league play will be like, how many times we're going to be facing our division opponents. And so we are actually going to be facing each of the division opponents I just mentioned earlier four times, twice at home, twice away. Um, and then the remaining four games of the season are going to be against other teams that are in other regions that are close to us, which I'm assuming would be in our West Coast. I can see them playing against uh, divisions that are on the East Coast. Um, and so that should be really interesting. And at least, again, we get to play against all of the opponents we have here on the West Coast. But curious to hear what your thoughts are, uh, Sharon and Jared, on this new Pacific Division and the rivals that we're going to be facing quite often. So, Jared, I'm going to jump in real quick. I think playing Oakland is going to be a I, the only word that came, you know how with Reno we were like rivals, you know, it was like, um, you know, Ian Russell was there, you know, it's like, ah, and he's, you know, he's a tough guy. And there was, you know, a lot of back and forth, but I think with Oakland, I don't think we're going to go that way. I think, you know, with Oakland, it's, they've got such a good shtick. Um, and it's almost, it's going to be like a tender, a, a tender kid. You know, it's like, we've got this wonderful kid in Oakland that we're going to welcome into the fold and let's, I just don't see it being a nasty thing. You know, I think it's going to be a really awesome rivalry and and I'm going to enjoy the minutes with them yeah I enjoyed Reno but for different reasons Oakland's going to be different so it's kind of like who do we who do we go toe-to-toe with where you kind of get that err feeling and you know is it is it going to be San Diego doubt it because Warren's down there and we love him and you know others that we and Emra and all that other stuff so I think our big you know gritchy fight is going to be against you know I hate to say it Phoenix but that's you know, that'll, it'll be an interesting season for sure. I love that the specific division has become the leagues. Uh, I had the term right in my, right in my hand. Uh, group of group, death. Thank, thank you. This is going to be the USL's group of death. You have strongholds like Republic FC, uh, San Diego, Phoenix. Uh, they, they've proven their fight into the playoffs this past year. Uh, Los Dos, uh, Las Vegas. You know, they, they definitely have some potential. Uh, Tacoma, there's still a bit of a toss-up. Uh, but uh, as far as the rivalries go, I mean, we thought uh, Re- Reno might be this, oh, this cute little rivalry. We're going to go up and down I-80 and then look where it ended up uh, being a, a ferocious uh, rivalry. What's what's going to be even better with uh, going up against Oakland uh, for those that uh, may not necessarily drive, such as myself, if I were back in Sacramento, it's probably going to be the easiest road trip, given the fact that they play at Laney College uh, for uh, Oakland Roots SC. That's that's an easy trip from the uh, Sacramento Valley Station and from Amtrak just to hop in, uh, into uh, Richmond and then switch over to get into Oakland. So you're not going to have to drive or spend all those hours uh, driving up to Reno or anything like that. It's just a quick trip to Oakland. And uh, Phoenix, I'd say, is going to be the next big, big rivalry, especially given this past October. So there's definitely going to be some bad blood between the two capitals. 
And I actually just realized I forgot to mention uh, Orange County Soccer Club. As I was looking through the list, I'm like, wait, where's Orange County? <laughs> uh, so definitely Orange County uh, Soccer Club is, is another uh, one there and in the group and, and always great games against them. But um, I, I'm with you, uh, Sharon. I think that initially the games against the Oakland Roots are going to be just, you know, fun games against, you know, just a rival that is uh, around the corner, maybe not not as intense as Reno. I don't, I don't think anything could ever get that intense <laughs> in terms of uh, rivalry. But I think it's going to evolve, right, depending on how those uh, four games go. If <laughs> we, we start to see, like, other things like the – unfortunate hand of phoenix rising then i think those things are what end up sparking uh, uh rivalries and especially when they happen uh, during playoff time we don't forget about those moments and i know phoenix rising is going to be the the reno uh of the usl for us right now and we're going to enjoy all those goals we score against them and the games we play against them are going to be really intense i mean you don't you don't forget about those uh unforgettable sad moments where you know you you were cheated on in the playoffs and so really looking forward to that and of course to the other matchups as well i mean the games against los those are always great you know they, they always have that other uh um, memorable moment uh, where we go back to our uh, foundation and so those are always great Las Vegas Lights, you know, we we didn't get to play against them last year, so, you know, should be interesting. I mean, they always come out with weird promotions and whatnot, you know, and and so it'll be interesting to see him uh, be able to uh, open again and have all those weird promotions. Let's hear about all that. Uh, And then San Diego Loyal, we didn't get to play against them much last year. We just played against them once at San Diego, and so... Being able to actually uh, play against them at home is going to be interesting, right? Being able to uh, see Donovan, if we get to actually uh, be there in person, would be really great. Uh, you know, just being able just to, to see him there. Uh, and so really looking forward to those matchups. And then Tacoma Defiance, I mean, it's it's your favorite rival to play against. They, they typically <laughs> are the rival that everyone tends to have a pretty good uh, goal fest against. Uh, and of course, uh, we're going to miss Timbers too. I just got to say that because they we all love to play against them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but other than that, I mean, it's it's an interesting group. I agree, Jared. It is the group of depth. Uh, no other group in the area can compare to it. I mean, there, there's the Mountain Division, Atlantic, Central. And if we look at the Mountain Division, I mean... I think San Antonio and Real Monarchs are probably going to have the time of their lives <laughs> with those matchups. Uh, you know, of course, you can always get a surprise from one of the other teams, but I think it's it, it, there's definitely weaker opponents in in that, and so it's it's kind of a shame, I guess, right when we start looking at that because had it just been a regular USL season, it's just West and East and everyone against everyone, but to just have to play against the best in your division and the other division not really have some of the stronger sides, you know, it's kind of sad, right? Because at the end of the day, when you get to playoffs, you're going to miss some of those matchups that could have happened. It could have been a California only playoff for all we know. And so that's the only sad part about it, right? Is that, you know, it's, it's not going to be 
uh, all these teams are going to play against each other in the playoffs. But we know if more than one team could actually get to the playoffs, we could probably see like four teams from Pacific Division at least be on, on the West playoffs. I could easily see that. So that's the only sad part about it. <laughs> I will say as far as the uh, remaining four games for the Atlantic Central and Pacific Divisions, don't be surprised if we see uh, Republic FC making their their way east to Oklahoma, given the fact that OKC Energy and FC Tulsa, who have actually improved this past season, if they end up uh, going a little deep towards the playoffs. Uh, FC Tulsa, they pleasantly surprised me uh, this past season. Granted, we drew against them last year, but, but we've been getting too used to either getting an easy three points or simply tying with them you know, for the single point. So, it is going to be sad to be deprived of that luxury, especially with how tough the Pacific Division is going to be. But like I said, don't be surprised those four games, even at least one, if we end up going through the Sooner State or them coming to us. That, that would be good, actually, if we'd be able to go to OKC. We've had some pretty good games against them. I don't know about Tulsa because we tend to say, like, yeah, we'll have a good game. And they <laughs> we faced against some really uh, – uh, poor Tulsa teams, but they've actually given us a good run anytime we play against them. So I'm like, eh, okay, we'll, 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 let, them, we'll let them pass on <laughs> during the season uh, if we don't play against them because you, you never know what to expect uh, w- with them. Uh, on a little side note, I thought it was kind of funny how uh, OKC got paired up in the Central Division when you match it up with uh, Austin and in the map, they're pretty much almost in, in the same line right it's, it's like okay see maybe could have been mountain you could have probably grouped them there but i guess they wanted to keep just the texas teams together so yeah it uh, seemed like the divisions were almost uh relevant to the time zones that they're in uh but then again look, look at phoenix uh given the fact that we don't honor daylight savings time you could go either way with uh, the division either pacific or mountain for them yeah, that's true. Yeah, especially when, like you said, when you look at, at time time wise too. So, yeah, so that's that's our USL this season, twenty twenty one, four divisions, and so it's going to be something different. And at least, like I said, they didn't do those four team groups, which you can only play against you know the same team so many times before you're like, all right, let's play against other teams. It's not fair. Like <laughs> you're not uh, playing against the uh, different teams, and another, I feel like other teams had more advantage, being that they they weren't playing against other three strong sides. So uh, that that was a great thing to see. And well, one piece of good news is if we end up picking up a game against uh, El Paso, at least James Kiffy won't be playing against us, which is good for us <laughs> <laughs> to not have to play against James Kiffy. And then if we we play San Antonio, we don't have to worry about playing against Mitch Tainter because he's playing for us this year. <laughs> I mean, you got to think about these things strategically. It's like who, what guys do you not want to match up against? You know, and it's like, hey, I think Kippy Kippy's uh, yeah, I think he's done unless he gets picked up at the last minute somewhere. And and then we got Mitch, so yay. And then we don't get to play against Matt Mahoney unless maybe one of those matchups is against Colorado Springs. Right. Uh, so that, that's another one. there. Right. We, um, do have, we do have to worry about playing Adam John since now he got picked up by Orange County. Oh, that so. sucks. Oh, no. Oh. 
Orange uh, County has always been a thorn in our side. So this is just going to make it even worse. Oh, dang it. Oh, boo. Well, I mean, good for Adam John, not good for us if we're playing against him. I mean, it's going to it's going to take a lot of I mean, he's so good in the air, you know, with his head. Uh, that's how he scores a lot of his goals. So put Mitch on him. That's all I can say. Yeah. And oh, they yeah. still and they still have Thomas Innovoldson. So Oh, um, that's true. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was going to say that, and, and they also have Seth Kasipli, who is a, a good friend of ours. Uh, <laughs> um, the, you know, the guy who grew up in, in the 916 as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's strong side Orange County, but I'm looking forward to actually again playing against them more than just the one time we played uh, last year, which which was a good game. We had a good game. I think a lot of people had us as the uh, as the underdogs for that game, and we surprised with a really great comeback. So hopefully we luck is, is on our side in those games again. And then we get to see us uh, pick up the three points there. So as far as when the USL will start, uh, they haven't really announced that yet, of course, but they have said that you can expect it to start eh, anywhere around May 1st. Although they do have a, a flexible start date for teams to be able to play anywhere between uh, April 24th and May 15th. So somewhere around there. And fingers crossed, again, that we'll be able to actually attend games uh, around that time, uh, even if it's with uh, a lot of restrictions and whatnot. But hey, the fact that we are going to be able to hopefully be in the stadium this season is already great news no matter how many games uh, we're able to attend. But being that teams are already selling season tickets and whatnot, and I've seen Republic already um, share out um, a, a guide with uh, some of their uh, COVID measures and, and procedures, all the things that you can expect uh, during game days is already a good sign. And, and by then, like you were saying, Sharon, with that announcement of being able to attend games or just sporting events in general, it's looking like by that point, especially if it's around the first week of May, there might already be that possibility. Um, unless, of course, you're in Texas, where maybe 100% people can attend. So if we need to go to a game in Texas, we might be good <laughs> if, if you want to take that risk and go to a game. <laughs> so that is our division. So next, let's take a look at the Republic roster for this 2021 season. Um, and we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about uh, different players in the different positions. So let's just get started with our goalkeepers. We have two, Rafael Diaz making that comeback with us already for a couple of years and newcomer Tomas Gomez. What are your guys' thoughts on our two goalkeepers and you guys think we should get a third goalkeeper or just have one of the academy goalkeepers that be in that role? I like the uh, bringing the academy goalkeeper because um, in training sessions, they bring the academy guys in anyhow, especially when they have to play, you know, uh, four-sided games, you know, when they, uh, they have a interesting drill that they run. So I, I think bringing in the academy is, and Mark Briggs is huge on making sure the academy guys get, uh, the ability to be seen. So I think it 
just makes sense to have the two goalkeepers. And you could tell Mark Briggs was interviewed last night live and you could tell he was really high on Rafa and was very proud of what Rafa accomplished, you know, um, you know, being thrown into things and uh, just shined and how well he did it for the Dominican Republic against Serbia. I mean, you could tell that Mark Briggs was right there, a, a big fan. But at the end of the day, we also we have another quality goalkeeper. So they're both apparently working hard to earn their spots. And that's one of the things that Mark Briggs, Coach Briggs said is, you know, every player has to come in game fit, game ready, ready to step on the field, ready to train hard the minute preseason opens. He basically has some really high standards. And it, he's he's saying if guys aren't willing to to meet the standard and um, come prepared, come on time, you know, do what you're supposed to do. And then some, he, he's, he's not going to be impressed with them. He, he wants the guys to do the thing. And I'm, I think that works well for the, for the goalkeepers. I mean, it's a really good philosophy to have guys have to come in hungry and they have to prove. Uh, it's, it's definitely going to be a hard fight for a goalkeeper. I mean, I mean, Diaz, incredible season last year, stepped up when uh, our previous goalkeeper, you know, had the ACL tear, but uh, Rafi has had an amazing season. Tomas Gomez, I definitely am impressed with his uh, career with the Earthquakes. He's played for the, the Rhinos and more recently with the Riverhounds. Pittsburgh has been a, a strong team, and to see him uh, make his way out west, it's definitely going to be a good uh, matchup. As far as a third uh, goalkeeper, the academy would be great. That means more exposure for, for the young kids yeah, to learn from the, from the best. I welcome it. It's, it's going to be a good, good uh, battle to see for these uh, goalkeepers, see who comes out on top. Yeah, and, you know, I'm really glad that for this season we have a second goalkeeper that is capable of being our starter goalkeeper and, and has actually been really active which actually, you know, was a really big thing for us last season because with last season, we saw that, you know, Rafa Diaz had the experience. Uh, he had been more active than our first goalkeeper, which, you know, was always a, a situation that always worried me in particular because you want to have a goalkeeper that has been active, especially if it's a newcomer that, you know, has never been in the area and so Tomas clearly you know matches that role of being a goalkeeper that has been really active you, you mentioned J Jared he was with the Riverhounds they've had a strong side in previous years in the USL uh, before that he was with St. Louis FC the the all-famous Rochester Rhinos right historic team and it, you know he didn't play with their quakes but he was with the, the team as well and so you know the fact that he was actually named to be a part of MLS squads before and that he's had all this experience in USL just uh, speaks volumes and it, it definitely is the right fit for a second goalkeeper and so really looking forward to, to seeing how he'll do when he gets that opportunity and you know I'm sure we're going to see him in the Open Cup right that's another thing actually that's another little bit of news that <laughs> To, to mention to in that we are going to be playing in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, it's going to be a shortened version of the typical cup, but I'm assuming that Tomas would probably be our first goalkeeper for those Open Cup games. Uh, and, and I say games, hopefully it is games and not game. <laughs> uh, 
but I, I could see it as, as that being his opportunity as, as we've seen in other years in open cups where um, second goalkeepers get that opportunity. And, and I really hope he gets that chance there because it's going to be really hard to take Diaz off the starting lineup unless he like really starts to mess up or, you know, he gets an injury, hopefully not. Uh, and, and we see him uh, throughout the season, but it, it's always great to have someone who you could trust <laughs> the goalkeeping role uh, as, as your second goalkeeper. So looking forward to um, what he'll bring to the table this season. So moving on to defenders um, out on the wings, we have Shannon Gomez, Jordan McCrary, making that comeback already with us for a couple of years already. And we know how trustworthy they are. Really great players. And joining them is actually a newcomer, uh, someone who actually um, has an interesting past with uh, Reno, <laughs> uh, but that is uh, Duke LaCroix. And in center uh, defenders, we have uh, Hayden Sarges coming back for his uh, second season and Mitch Tainer making that long awaited comeback really happy that he's back with us and we don't have to face him <laughs> as an opponent and also uh newcomer dan casey um what are your thoughts sharon on on our defenders you know i i'm hoping we can bring in another um yeah i think they're great i think our defenders are great i think this is going to be fun to watch these guys you know granted we're going to miss some of the other runs from other players that we had filling, you know, uh, fitting the bill last season. Um, and some of the, it, it's, it's interesting because if you, if you think about who our center back is, our most experienced one besides Dan Casey coming in is Mitch Tainer, it, you know, in center backs and he's not that old. So, you know, last year we had, Oh, why can I, I can see his face. From Israel, right? Yes. Anyhow, he was in an incredible stabilizing force. I'm curious how who we who's going to be that stabilizing force in the backfield right now. Um, you know, the wingbacks are basically the besides being the guys that can get forward and cross balls and you know they're fast and all that other stuff. Um, their main role is cleanup when they get back into the defense. You know, they're they're basically making sure that nobody can get through. And you know, if if our center defenders get beat, the the wing backs, you know, they're they're covering and they're the the mids are dropping in to cover if we get beat. I mean, those are some of the things. Oh, Deckel came in. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, it's like so so who is our who is that person for us in the in the back line? You know that. That's why it's like, let's just see how this works. Let's see who's going to come up and be the captain, you know, not the captain, mm -hmm. but, you know, the, of the defense, who's, who's going to organize it. Is it going to be Aiden Sargis? You know, he's so he's, he's young, but apparently on all of his other teams, the Academy teams, he was that guy, you know, he was the vocal leader, you know, and, and, and that, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out an exciting season to look forward to when it comes to sorting out the defense. As far as prospects for this position, I, I got, I'll be the first to say it. I am thirsty for the LaCroix. So it's, not, <laughs> it, it's not just a, a, a spring water. It is, it's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, he's, he's had excellent seasons with the, uh, with Reno and, and other teams. And I will be the first also to say that I have been, Possibly a bit hard on Hayden Sarge this past season. 
maybe it's just from what I've seen. There have been times where it looked like he was sleepwalking last season, but you know, we we all have our initial years. Hopefully, Sarge learns from this, picks up the pace, and goes into full potential. And I am glad we have Mitch Tanner back. I mean, he, he was excellent in the 2019 season. Let's hope we get get some more uh, out of that uh, that big engine that is uh, Mitch Tanner. And Dan Casey, the Irishman, let's hope he brings us some luck. I know it's kind of <laughs> ho- hokey, but, hey, we need all we can get, right? That's right. You know, so you mentioned something about Hayden. He's been working apparently so hard off season. Last night, Coach Briggs mentioned that they that they're letting him rest, that they're insisting that he rest before preseason starts because he was working so hard on his fitness and his strength and his speed in the off season. They they saw that, you know, and they were monitoring him. You know, all the players that stayed local or that were uh, in touch or that we re-signed are being very closely monitored by our, by our staff, by Luke, by Katie, by Betty. You know, they're being very closely monitored as far as what they're working on, according to the interview last night, which, of course, is like a duh. You know, they monitor this, the players that are sticking around. So so to give Hayden Sarges a rest, that tells me he is p- going to be intentional this year. He is going to be f- fit and full of intention. So you know, let's just, you know, it's great. See what he comes up with. I'm glad to hear that because Hayden, he was given that opportunity to be in the starting 11 pretty much the whole season last year. And as I said before that, that's not something that we've seen ever before, right? We've never seen an Academy player get to be in that starting role for so long in one season. And so I think it's great admirable work ethic if that's how he's like training then that's awesome that's exactly what we want to see from academy players when you're giving that opportunity and i'm sure he knows that like (laughs) oh hi (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i'm sure that he knows that when he's given that opportunity and whatnot he's going to take advantage of it he knows that he's in his second season he can't take it for granted that he's going to be in the starting 11 because now he's got more competition right now Mitch Tainer's making a comeback we all know just how great he was as a defender and uh, going back to what you were saying Sharon I think it's got to be Mitch Tainer who steps up to that role of organizing the defense because he was with us before and I think he's always had that leadership in him uh, from what I remember from uh, the past seasons where I think other players listen to him. Like the, this guy not only has experience with us, but he also has MLS direct experience. I mean, I still remember that one time where uh, he went back to Toronto just for like a weekend to play a game with them because they were missing a player. And uh, we saw him, we were like, that's cool. And then he came back to us, which I'm like, and all right. And he scored. Yeah, yeah, and he scored a goal. Yeah, I, I remember they they lost. I think it was like four one, but he still scored. We were like, cool. He goes, you know, just just MLS player things. Just go out casually a weekend, score a goal, and come back to us and <laughs> and play with us. Um, so yeah, I, I really hope he's the one that steps to that role. And and like I said, I'm really glad to see him there. And 
and really looking forward uh, to what he'll bring to the table. I mean, he was with San Antonio and they actually had a really competitive team last year as well. So he comes with really great game in him. And so uh, it, it should be an interesting season there. And and of course, seeing the newcomers, Duke LaCroix and Dan Casey and uh, what kind of players uh, they'll be there as well. So moving on to the midfield, uh, where we have uh, Jaime Villarreal coming back, Andrew Wheeler-Omunu, again, also uh, coming back for a second season. Uh, newcomer Luis Felipe brings experience uh, from MLS in particular. Uh, Petteri Penanen, uh, newcomer as well. Mario Penagos, really great to, to see our uh, young player there again. Rafael Jaregui, who recently signed uh, his professional contract with the team. Uh, Derek Formella, uh, Malik Foster, brand new player, and Tucker Bone as also a new player as well. So what are your guys' thoughts on our midfield and uh, who are you excited to see? Well, Tucker Bone's going to be interesting, uh, seeing as we've uh, picked up more uh, former Reno players. Uh, I haven't actually seen his highlights as of yet, but uh, that is something that I do want to look into uh, prior to the preseason starting. Uh, Andrew, great great to see him back. I mean, he's gotten quite a bit of highlights uh, from MLS uh, over the past uh, offseason with what he's done. Uh, I believe it was last year he had won a uh, contest with, with his music, um, kind of offhand with the, the MLS website. Um, and Mario Panagos, I mean, with that uh, game against Portland, I mean, he's definitely got more to build but on top of that. Uh, Pete is going to be an interesting one, one to see, the uh, Pete Pinanen. Uh, I know he's uh, played in, in some uh, – actually had a pretty, pretty good uh, season. I believe it was placed into seconds in, in the, uh, the league there. Perhaps I'm reading the, the incorrect information. But it uh, be great to have – yet another uh, player from the uh, Nordic area. I mean, it's definitely going to be a big promise. So I'm looking forward to seeing Andrew um, step up and play more minutes. You know, he had, he was a little bit riddled with a couple of injuries last season. That was unfortunate. So I don't think we saw his full potential, but I believe when he was on, he kind of, it's interesting you know, and so so some of my favorite center backs were um, Ivan Merkovic. I mean, come on. He was on the dream team of 2014. And oh, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Jeremy Hall, I thought he did a, a, a really decent job when he was, uh, you know, our not center back or D-mid. And, and I think Andrew has the potential to do that. I think, you know, he, he if we can get him to remember to keep moving, you know, and drop back you know, and cover and, and just kind of always keep moving. And I know he's probably his heart own hardest critic. Um, when things don't go well for the squad, I think he, he, I think he looks into himself very quickly. Um, but seeing these guys that we've brought in between Malik, Tucker, Pete, Luis, this is all going to be brand new for us. We have not had that. Um, we, I don't think we've seen that much kind of talent brought in. And so every player is going to be fighting for a role, you know, between Jaime and, um, and uh, Andrew and, 
and all that. And, and coach Briggs made it really clear. Every player is going to have to prove that they you know, belong in the starting 18 and the starting 11. Now it's interesting. Tucker bone, you know, he's a local guy um, played, played locally in his youth soccer. It will be interesting how that works out. There's pros and cons to Tucker. Um, when people recall, when I was reading some of the um, uh, pieces on, you know, social media, people recalled his early days and, so it'll just be, it, it'll be interesting to see if he can step up his game and play the Sacramento way. Um, and same way with uh, Malik, you know, these guys haven't played the Sacramento way. And I, I think the European, the, the guys from Europe, and I think Luis Felipe won't have any problem with it. And I don't think Pete Penanen will either because their speed of play is, has been high in the past and, I know that that's what coach Briggs is looking for. And that's what we're looking for is entertainment value through the midfield and having a solid midfield. Otherwise you're never going to get the ball to the right people up top to score goals, you know, or to get uh, Darius, you know, Derek Formella more involved in goal scoring, you know, cause he usually kind of pops out off to the left and makes his way through traffic or sets up a goal for somebody else. So it's, it's interesting. We'll see if he can still do those things given the change in formation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that it is going to be a really competitive midfield. There's new players that we have yet to see how they are going to be playing in Sacramento, but they are players that do have a lot of experience playing already. And uh, I'm actually particularly uh, interested in seeing how Luis Felipe uh, will play in the role. Not, you know, he, he, we share a name and, and it's, it's really cool. I, I, I'm trying to think of that. I think though we've only seen that happen once with Luis Espino, uh, which uh, I, I I would always you know, call him uh, Tocayo, which is uh, the Spanish name, right? So someone who shares the same name as you. And so uh, really excited to, to see uh, what, what he'll bring to the table. Uh, I mean, the, the Luis actually uh, has experience playing in MLS with earthquakes, you know, right? He came from there. Uh, he did also play for Reno two seasons, which we, we know Earth, or Reno was a, the farm team for the earthquakes. Uh, so it, it'll be, it'll be something else, right? I mean, he knows how, how it is to play against Sacramento, how it is to play in Sacramento uh, uh, too, and, and what that atmosphere looks like. And, and also, you know, has, you know, just some of that experience with the earthquakes and. You know, an he, atmosphere, you mean that an atmosphere that has fans? I mean, like a lot of fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he won't be Versus too intimidated. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to be like, oh, uh, there's actually people who like soccer here. Um, and and I think that's great, right? Except this time, you know, we're, we're not going to be um, booing him or anything. It's, it's going to be all support. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, he's going to be a really interesting one to follow. And also uh, Malik Foster. I mean, the, the guy is... Uh, Jamaican international and he's been all over the place I was looking at at his uh, bio I mean he came from a, a team from Israel last year prior to that he was with a, a team from Costa Rica then he was with like Rio Grande then he went he was with Alajuelense which is one of Costa Rica's uh, bigger uh, teams and before that he was with his native Portmore United which is one of the top Jamaican teams as well so it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's being called up to a national team and we all know how great 
national team players perform. We've had a, our share of them over the years, and it's it's always great when you have them because you know you get to uh, see them play for their national team, and it, it's just that much more motivation to support other teams that aren't U.S. or Mexico for me. So uh, you know, I think it's it's really great to to see that there. And of course, you know, when we look at some of the players uh, that that are returning, uh, Jaime Villarreal. I think this might be the season where we might see him step up and be the captain. He's been with us already a couple of years, and and I think if if you know he doesn't get injured uh, and you know everything goes well for him, I think he might be uh, deserving of having that um, captain armband uh, for his great performance over the past couple of years. And another player I'm excited to see is Mario Penagos. Uh, I said it last season. Uh, he really impressed me in the preseason and then during the season, the moments he had an opportunity to be playing, he did a good job. I mean, I still remember that uh, game against T2 where he scored the, our, the goal when we were up 1-0 and then we got tied and, and all that. Um, but really, Mario is one of those players that I think has so much potential. And I really hope that he gains that opportunity to be more of a starter player and that we get to see him more this season because he has a lot of potential to make it to an MLS side even before we join MLS. Uh, I, I think he's one player that is going to be out um, on the lookout from uh, various uh, clubs in the MLS. And other than that, I mean, other players, like we mentioned, Andrew Wheeler Amunu is is uh, definitely one that we didn't get a chance to see that much. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really hope we get to see more of in in this uh, season too granted that hopefully he doesn't get injured um like he did in the last season which i know kept him away for a while before you move into the strikers which is only two to talk about in their <laughs> returnees um we should each pick three people that we think could possibly be uh where the captain's armband and i'm going my picks are going to be either mitch tainter andrew or cam or carlton actually you know i because I'm seeing Carlton step into leadership roles off the field, you know, like, you know, just around, but I, that's who I'm, I'm looking at and nothing against Jaime. Um, but I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking that way for my picks. Jared, who do you think if you were to pick like three people that could potentially wear the captain's armband? Okay. I would say a strong candidate is going to be uh, Derek Formella. I mean, we've seen him come through in the clutch uh, multiple times. So he's definitely a strong candidate for me. Uh, Cameron, he could definitely wear it again, but he has got to improve from last year. I know 2020 was not his greatest year aside from getting his 50th career goal. But if he can step it up, I mean, he is a possibility. But I'm going to have to go with my other two choices, Mitch Tainter, you know, He's proven himself uh, in the previous years that he's with the Republic FC. And then I would say out of number three, I would say Andrew could, could definitely uh, get the band. And in addition to Jaime Biarrell, I, I think that Rafa Diaz could be a, a good pick. Uh, I know goalkeepers are, are you know, uh, Sometimes, you know, more more the candidates for captain roles, even though, of course, they're just out back and <laughs> you, you can't be as involved as, you know, an, an actual like field player. Um, but that, that would be one option. And then 
My other option, uh, I mentioned it also before, Mitch Tainer coming back. I, I think he he could do a good job as uh, as captain as well. But I do have to say that if he can actually like step up to that role again and do well, it would be nice to see Cam Iwasa as captain. Um, but of course, you know, it really depends on on how he does this season and how he and feels so- about that. And sometimes it's not so much everything that they do on the field. Yeah, it's leadership. It's locker room leadership. I think that's where the captain's armband weighs the heaviest is in the locker room. So I'm looking at the guys that have the ability to kind of wrap their arms around the team and wrap their arms around guys that need a pickup or, you know, really are looking out for, for their brothers essentially. And are good at taking instructions and are, are good at working hard. And yeah, Jaime has those. And that's why I'm saying, you know, well, gosh, you know, it could, it could be Mitch, it could be Andrew, it could be Cam, it could be Carlton that, you know, we've got a lot of good choices. It could even be Jordan McCrary. However, (laughs) he would be arguing the referees calls. I think a lot, (laughs) even though, you know, he's, he's a little bit feisty. (laughs) Yeah, that, that, that's true. You can, but but I do. I I like that. I like that feistiness of players. Uh, obviously, maybe you know. I'm not saying they have to go out and and say all these things to the referee all the time. But it is always good to have those players that uh, can speak their mind. Uh, and maybe you know they might push a little bit, but it's it's got to be understandable. It's the heat of the time yeah like uh, Deckel, just, yeah. Deckel did a pretty good job last season you know Roe did a good job um you know I I think before he got injured um Drew Scundrich did a, a decent job of of those sorts of things it was just I just think we need a really good locker room leader and it'll be interesting who ends up with the armband more frequently they could co-captain you know like their very first season they did Justin Braun and Roro you know, a Jeopardy question that we will probably bring back another time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I, mean, I miss Roro. I mean, Roro was the natural captain. There was almost no discussion, right? It was like, but Roro, he's he's there. He's the legend. <laughs> uh, have him be the captain. Um, but, but yeah, so that's what we had in the midfield. And then, like we said, forwards, um, Kamiwasa and Carlton Belmar are making the comeback. Not much to say, really, right? Players that are going to be returning, and hopefully uh, they they do better than they did last season. I know Cam Iwasa was struggling there a bit, and it was it was sad to see him go through uh, uh, all those moments where, you know, it just it looked like things just weren't going his way. And, you know, I, I really hope that, that things change there for him. And Carlton Belmore, one player that, like, uh, we've enjoyed seeing in the past season, but I think hopefully we get to see him a little bit more because likewise to Cam, I think, you know, he, we haven't had that chance to see him a lot or as much as we wish we could see him because again, the season was uh, about half what it usually is last year. So awesome. Well, moving over to our last bit of news here, uh, the Republic did announce that their camps and clinics are actually going to be uh at different locations, different parks around the Sacramento area. And if you guys want to get more details on that, visit their website uh, where they have a listings of different camps. Uh, they're going to be doing spring camps and summer camps uh, all throughout. Uh, the, the price structure is there and the age range is there as well. So 
hey, if you have kids that like soccer, get them enrolled in this. Uh, you know, these again are, are going on in the spring and the summertime, and they are going to be taking all the measures uh, as they mentioned in their uh, event flyer. And so you can rest assured that they are going to be taking the best of precautions um, with the current situation, which hopefully by then we're, we're, you know, guessing that by the summertime, things should be um, a lot better than they are now. And, and, you know, we should all be able to be able to be out more and not have to worry as much, Um, but of course, still taking the precautions uh, as usual. So Really great to see the team doing these uh, camps and not only doing them just in one location, but actually saying, hey, we're going to be doing them in different parks, different areas. So wherever is closest to you, then you can go and uh, and draw your child and have a good time. I mean, these these are fun clinics put on by the team. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where you don't know, right? You might be enrolling your child and the next thing you know, they might join the Republic Academy the next year <laughs> so you never know what might come out of these and you know if you have that chance then take advantage of it because some of us wish that we had this opportunity but we i didn't have a team anywhere near me back in the day <laughs> uh, so any thoughts on that i think it's great that they're uh, making it available in multiple parts of the county i mean especially the northern areas and even going as far south as land park I think it probably wouldn't have been a bad idea. Maybe, maybe next season, maybe introduce a clinic uh, towards Elk Grove or towards Rancho Cordova. But you know the parks that they're at right now: uh, Arden Park, uh, Lincoln, Rockland, Natomas. You know, it's just going to draw a lot of the uh, local talents, whether they be the four to six year olds, uh, seven year olds, up to teenagers. This is a great opportunity. Hopefully, to grow more than homegrown talent. Who knows? Maybe that uh, eight or 10-year-old on the field could be the next Kamawasa or or who knows? I mean, this is where it begins. So one of the things that I, I really like about the format that they're doing here is that they're announcing all the locations. It's all out there. It's not one of those things that, you know, where they announce it at the last minute, oh, we're going to do a clinic, you know, <clears throat> at such and such a location you know, this is like, this is a great way to run a business is, you know, having a lot of choice and having big, like lots of locations. It's interesting. You mentioned um, Elk Grove, you know, there's 175,000 residents in Elk Grove and we've got one of the largest um, numbers of kids, (laughs) you know, in a, in a city, so to speak, we're uh, very family oriented here and, it would, like you said, it would be kind of cool maybe in the upcoming years that there be some attention paid here. Um, but hey, be that as it may, maybe it maybe it'll happen. But they also have to look at the logistics of the people that are running and hosting the camps. And so where they have them now in some of the communities, they're needed in, you know, the Notomas community in the Arden area where they have it in specific. Um, so so those those areas they, you know, they, they need things like that there. Yeah. So, so shout out to a team, right. For always looking at the community and, and where they hold their events uh, because they, they do a good job at that and of promoting the sport throughout the area too, as well. 
Awesome. Well, before we close out tonight, I wanted to remind everyone, if you are not following us on our social media accounts, please give us a follow. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at State Republic 12 is our username. Simply search for that and you'll be able to find our pages. We're also on YouTube. Some of our interviews that we record for the podcast also get posted on there. So please check out the YouTube channel, search for State of the Republic podcast, and you'll be able to find it there. So please subscribe to find out when uh, new episodes are posted. Also, we do our live shows on our social media. We recently did Republic Jeopardy. Once again, congratulations to our second champion, Elliot Horde. Uh, for beating uh, defending champion Billion Vishev and also uh, Ray Bear. We had a good time. It was really close. I'm looking forward to future Republic Jeopardies being that way because it literally went all the way down to the last uh, final Jeopardy question. And got to say, Vishev risked it all. And, you know, he went out like that. And hey, you got to respect that. That was a really good... <laughs> good thing to do is to just risk it all and not just risk a little bit but uh, so really good really good one uh be on the lookout though we are going to be doing Republic jeopardy number three sometime maybe towards the end of march uh, uh and you know we'll be hopefully uh looking uh at the dates here soon to figure out what what date it'll be and get that announced and get it on everyone's schedule more ahead of time than before. We, we did have uh, some uh, situations uh, happen, but this time we'll, we'll actually plan it out a little more in advance and have it all there so you guys can all tune in live. But if you want to watch it, it's there saved. Uh, so you can definitely tune into uh, Jeopardy number two if you missed it. Also, we are going to be doing other live shows as well. So again, not just Republic Jeopardy, but others. So please... Uh, tune into our socials to find out uh, when they'll be and what they'll be about. And and so please uh, check that out there. Also, if you're not subscribed to our podcast yet, please subscribe to us. If you can leave a review wherever you leave reviews, then please do so as well. And if we could just ask you if you could do one thing for us, that would mean the world to us. If you could share our podcast with one of your friends, that would be amazing whether they're a soccer uh, fan or whether they're someone who doesn't really follow sports, but you're trying to get them to enjoy the sport we love and maybe become a fan of the Republic, then please share the podcast, share our interviews, any other episode that you'd like to share. Uh, we really appreciate it. And it really helps us grow um, the more shares we get. So please, we just ask that you just share with one person. And that, that would mean a lot to us. So thank you so much to everyone who uh, shares our podcast and to also to everyone who listens to it and supports it and tunes into those uh, live shows that we do there as well. Great. Well, uh, thank you to our guest co-host tonight, Jared, for uh, joining us here tonight. And thank you, Sharon, uh, as usual, for joining us here uh, tonight. Do you guys have any uh, last final parting words before we uh, say goodbye for tonight? Hey, I want to say goodnight to to Jared. It, uh, you know, right now we're on the same time zone. Pretty soon it'll change and we'll be uh, an hour ahead of you. But, you know, be that as it may, at least right now. Well, actually, uh, right now I'm an hour ahead of, of 
the, the West Coast, but uh, you are right. The time is going to change uh, soon, uh, March 14th. We're going to be in the same time zone. Because oh, we'll be in the same time zone then. Okay. Yeah, af- after March 14th. Okay. Yeah, it, it takes a little getting used to, especially <laughs> living in an area that you're used to changing the clocks, moving to a place where you move time zones. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting. And uh, also, as a side note, uh, I am actually going to be headed out west uh, for a quick visit, uh, the 26th through the 29th, because my birthday is the 27th, which falls on a Saturday, because uh, last year I was going to try and make it for that uh, birthday sandwich of matches, but we all know what happened then. But uh, looking forward to coming back home, meeting just for a couple days later this month. Our number one fan from Arizona <laughs> coming home. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, that, that's that, that's great. And hey, time's changing at the best time, right? Right? Like uh, a month and a half before <laughs> the new season starts. So that way uh, we're all on the same time zone. And, and so you can actually come down and watch a game and not worry about time changing or adjusting to times and all that. I, yeah, I know how jet lag goes uh, and whatnot. So uh, that's that's really great, too. So. Awesome. Well, like once again, thank you to you too, and thank you to everyone who listened to us tonight. And Thanks, we, Luis. Thanks we'll see you next time. Here. Yeah, thank you, thank Luis. You. Thank, thank you. you, Luis. It's great being here again, and also seeing you, Sharon, as well. <laughs> you know, it's 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 always a, it's always a good time. <laughs> awesome. Have a great night, everyone. See you.